Hi, everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Nittany Lions, your Penn State podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020, which means we are one month closer to the supposed start to the college football season. I'm your host, Kevin McGuire, a contributor to AthlonSports.com, and I want to thank you guys for checking in with today's episode, making sure you are subscribed on all your favorite podcasting apps of choice. It's from iTunes to Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, we appreciate anybody who decides to subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and leave a review. Let us know how we're doing. Your support also helps us with the placement on those various podcasting apps moving forward as we continue to try and grow this show. And of course, you can always stay socially connected with us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and on Twitch by using the username LockedOnNittany across all of those social media platforms. In today's episode, we are going to continue our discussion with our buddy Brandon Cavanaugh and put together our final touches on our menu for the Big Ten Deli. We've got a lot of Nebraska and Penn State talk in today's episode as we focus on our last two menu items. And of course, we have a few news and notes to touch on at the beginning of our show. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. begin today's episode by just taking a look at around the Big Ten and some of the things that people are talking about around the sport of college football. Now, of course, uh, the month of July usually means we're going to get those conference media days. Unfortunately, of course, as you know, that is not necessarily going to be the same case this year. A lot of the conferences have decided to go with a virtual conference uh, media circuit, which is to be expected. And I think a lot of people can get the same kind of coverage out of something like that. Uh, you know, even the Big Ten has decided to go with the virtual route, and we saw all the other power conferences uh, follow suit with that. I'm actually seeing on FootballScoop.com as I'm reporting or recording this episode that the SEC media days were originally planned for July 13th to 16th. Apparently, not, not taking place at all. On those days, even though the, I believe the SEC had decided to go virtual. So I don't know exactly what the SEC's plan is. It'll be kind of curious to see what they end up doing. I'm guessing they're just going to do something later on that's kind of scaled down. Uh, certainly still stick with the virtual presentations. And I would be curious to see if something like the Big Ten decides to do something similar depending on what the SEC ends up doing. Again, I don't know what the full details are on that, but it is kind of interesting that uh, the SEC has gone from their week, basically a week-long extravaganza down to a virtual event, and now it looks like there could be something else in the works. So just something to keep an eye on as we continue to move forward. I think a lot of the concern is that even though you're doing a virtual conference, there are a lot of states now that are seeing the uptick and the, uh, the, the trends upward in the spread of the coronavirus. So there's a lot more concerns now. There's still a lot of reacting and trying to adjust to the current climate of this pandemic world that we're sitting in right now. Uh, there are no easy answers, no easy solutions, no easy alternatives. Uh, certainly, I think moving forward, everybody's going to continue to try and adjust. And this is still something that could linger into the fall. So uh, we're certainly not out of the woods yet, as we've discussed on this podcast many times. And sort of sticking on the same sort of subject, we've also seen a number of schools around the country, including within the Big Ten, continue to find ways to adjust their budgets moving forward. We all know that uh, the loss of school, the loss of athletic events has really put a dent 
in the uh, the budgets for a lot of these schools and universities and that's continuing and moving forward and there's still a lot of concern about what's going to happen in the fall certainly if a school like penn state can't have a full stadium capacity for a game day uh if, if they're allowed to have any fans at all that is a big gut punch to the financial budget and a lot of schools even in the big 10 where the revenue is as big as they come through those television network deals a lot of the schools in the big 10 are still finding ways to cut back on their budget a little bit and trim uh whatever they can so michigan and iowa are two of the latest schools to join the trend nationally that seems to be taking place of top named head coaches top paid head coaches deciding to take some at least temporary pay cuts. Jim Harbaugh is going to be taking a pay cut at Michigan. Kirk Ferentz is going to be taking a pay cut at Iowa. And again, as we've seen, a number of schools around the Big Ten have gone this route, as well as a number of schools outside of the Big Ten. Penn State hasn't necessarily been there yet, and I will reiterate what Sandy Barber, the athletics director at Penn State, has said before. She said that Penn State should be financially stable for the next year, but it's after that that it could be a concern. Now, that doesn't mean that James Franklin is going to be taking a pay cut anytime soon. It doesn't mean that he won't be taking a pay cut soon. So I would still not be surprised if we find out that James Franklin is going to be among those taking a reduction in pay at some point moving forward. If I missed something on that, please let me know. But it's, uh, to my knowledge, we still have not seen that kind of development come to Penn State. Again, don't be surprised if it does because James Franklin is certainly a very high-paid employee at Penn State, and if Penn State knows that they're not going to have a full stadium capacity uh, allowed for the football season, uh, that's going to be a, a serious issue uh, for the very immediate future. So Penn State is still certainly weighing their options. We still don't know what's going to happen with the stadium capacity situation when the fall comes. Uh, and again, I know some schools have already determined what they're going to be capped at moving forward, and it still could be determined by the state as well. So uh, it still looks as though Pennsylvania is going to have open stadiums. It's just a matter of how many fans are going to be allowed in those stadiums when the time comes. So we're still a ways away from football, both the NFL and, of course, in college. And we'll wait to see what happens with the baseball season with the, the Phillies and the Pirates getting started later this month as well so lots of stuff still in play here uh, we don't know what's going to happen but when these other sports start to do come back it could give us an indication on where college football will stand by the time the fall comes around speaking of the fall and the college football season there was a good amount of discussion and reaction to the realignment hypothetical plan that pat forty of sports illustrated put together in his column this week if you didn't get a chance to look at it i'm going to just say it's pretty stupid, but it is content. It's fun to discuss. It's fun to envision different things. And this is certainly something that could you could definitely do in NCAA football by customizing the conferences and everything. He put together the, a complete realignment map based on the idea of schools playing more regional foes for the upcoming season with reduced schedules. Uh, just kind of thinking outside the box and envisioning a, an alternative world of college football if they were to do this. And I got to say... Penn State is in a very cushy conference if they if they were to go this route. You can take a look at it. I'll link to it in the show notes, of course. But uh, Penn State would be in the, the Yankee Conference, which would include Army, Boston College, Buffalo, UConn, Maryland, UMass, Navy, Rutgers, Pittsburgh, Syracuse, and Temple. Now, 
just going into the upcoming season, if Penn State were in a conference with all of those schools, they would be undefeated and everybody would be ripping their strength of schedule. That's for sure. Now, I didn't read the full column that Pat Corey put together. I just looked at the, the realignment uh, situation that he put out there and saw where Penn State was. And obviously, they've got a couple Big Ten teams, much more regional. This is a, not exactly the Big East that Joe Paterno and Penn State had envisioned way back in the day. But being in the same conference as schools like Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Temple, Rutgers and Maryland and Navy. That's pretty cool. Throwing Boston College and Army. I, I'm liking it. Uh, but having UConn and UMass, not exactly uh, thrilled about that option. But you know, at least you get a couple more easy games, uh, maybe in addition to Rutgers. Buffalo would be no slouch. Neither would Navy. Uh, but I, you know what? If it were to happen, it'd be fun just to see how it all plays out. If you're curious, Ohio State and Michigan would be in the great Mideast Conference with Purdue, Toledo, Indiana, Kent State, Marshall, I'm sorry, Maryland, Miami of Ohio, Ohio, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Akron, Ball State. So really, uh, Ohio State, Michigan, maybe Michigan State, they'd be the cream of the crop of that great Mideast Conference. Uh, and the Southwest Conference could potentially have come back with Texas A&M and SMU, TCU, Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Uh, a couple of other schools uh, really got tied to that old Southwest Conference. That'd be pretty fun. Uh, but you know what? I, I don't like the idea. <laughs> I think Penn State would be in a very easy conference. I, I certainly wouldn't go see it, even though Penn State would be winning a lot of games. But if you got a chance to take a look at Pat Forty's uh, realignment uh, hypothetical, let me know what you think. Do you like the idea of Penn State being in th that Yankee conference with all those schools? Let me know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNitney. Make sure you check out our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash LockedOnNitney. We'll have some reaction there as well. Coming up in our next segment and for the rest of the show, we're going to continue our conversation from earlier this week with Brandon Cavanaugh. We're going to dive into some Nebraska football talk because Penn State will be playing Nebraska this year. It's a game that I think should be on your radar uh, when early November comes around. And we'll continue to put together our final touches on our menu for the Big Ten Deli right here on the Locked On Nittany Lions podcast. For the rest of the podcast, until I do the closing at the very end, you're going to hear a continuation of a recorded conversation I had with Brandon Cavanaugh, a contributor to AthlonSports.com who covers a lot of Nebraska. If you missed part one of our conversation from Monday's episode, definitely go back and listen to that because we're going to pick up the conversation right where we left off. But I wanted to make sure everybody knew that what you're hearing now is really just a continuation and the conclusion of our conversation that we had, which was the bulk of Monday's podcast. So definitely go back and listen to part one in Monday's podcast if you get a chance and go ahead and listen to the rest of our conversation. Now, if you missed Monday's episode and you're just going to plow forward anyway, what we're doing is we're coming up with different sandwich ideas for each coach in the Big Ten. Now, we've already done 12 coaches. That's why you have to go back and listen to the last podcast to get part one. Uh, but we have got two coaches left, Scott Frost of Nebraska and, of course, James Franklin of Penn State. So without any further ado, let's pick up that conversation right where we left off with Brandon Cavanaugh from AthonSports.com. Real quick, before we uh, finish this up, because obviously we have, I think, two coaches left, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. We'll hold off on that just a minute. I want to talk to you a little bit about what to expect out of the upcoming season. Now, you being a Nebraska guy, Penn State is going to play Nebraska later this year. And certainly, I'm going to bring you back onto the podcast to talk about that game when we get closer to that. But as you're starting to look forward to the upcoming season, assuming things are going to stay on schedule, and we'll just keep it with that caveat right now, if you don't mind. Uh, mm -hmm, absolutely. But, 
when Penn State does get a chance to go to Lincoln, Nebraska later, or early November, I guess it is, what kind of Nebraska team is Penn State going to face at that point in time? You know, that is an excellent question. And when it comes to projecting Nebraska and what happened, a lot of people uh, around here in the state were looking at the schedule and saying, wow, this is daunting. No, my friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> you want daunting. I have daunting for you. Daunting is 2020, as we have all learned. Um, Nebraska opens the year against Purdue. This is a make or break game coming out of the gate because not only is it at home, it's against Purdue. It is against Bob Diaco, former defensive coordinator for Nebraska. This is a huge game, and it's right out of the gate. And there's a little bit of, uh, I mean, the eyes of the nation uh, are still on Scott Frost for whatever reason. Is year three going to be just as uh, disappointing as year two was? Is there going to be another, you know, are there going to be another, is there going to be four losses, five losses? Are they going to even get to a bowl this time around, right? But they're coming out of the gate against Purdue, could be 0-1, right? But then they got to go up against Central Michigan, South Dakota State, and then Cincinnati, which I got to say, that is a game that if Nebraska fans or anybody else doesn't have circled at this point, I highly encourage that. Cincinnati did so well this past season. I believe they're bringing in a lot of that experience back, and they're bringing a lot of that momentum back. That game is in Lincoln, and again, uh, Purdue and Cincinnati there, those are two opportunities for losses. So at this point, Nebraska could be two and two. Then Nebraska has to go play uh, Northwestern in Evanston, come home and play Illinois. And then they've got a bye week in there. So at this point, they could be sitting anywhere between six and oh and four and two, maybe three and three. Who knows with bad bounces, right? It, it is all over the place. The range is all over the place. Then they've got a bye. Then they come back and they go to Piscataway to play Rutgers, which is probably great regardless of what's happening at this point because either they've got a lot of momentum or they need to get reset. And they need to get reset in a hurry because their final five games at Ohio State, then they host Penn State, then they go to Iowa, then they go to Wisconsin, then they welcome Minnesota as their Black Friday game. So to answer your question, all of that to say, you're going to have a team that is either going to be – I mean – Let's just be realistic. They are not winning at Ohio State. That's fine. We can make peace with that and move on. (laughs) That is a tough task anyway, let alone the state of the program uh, that Nebraska finds itself in little ways away at the very least. But uh, this is a team that if they are uh, bowl eligible at this point, that's going to be a heck of a run. Um, And I don't think they're going to look at anybody lightly. Now, that being said, if they're not, this is is where Nebraska is could be either very dangerous or Penn State could just have an absolute time um, and have it be an absolute track meet uh, in, or excuse me, an absolute field day in Lincoln, because this could be a team that is fighting for its postseason life again, and they could very well have five wins at this point, need a sixth, and with this murderer's row, those five games down there, I don't know that I feel comfortable taking anyone off as a win. Uh, certainly not. I mean, Penn State and what James Franklin has done has been fantastic. Um, I, I don't know at this point there, there's any way I can honestly pick against Penn State coming into Lincoln unless Nebraska just looks awesome. Like if they go and just 
sear through those first six games. And they go into the bye week. And then they go to Rutgers, and they just sear through the Scarlet Knights. Um, and then they go to Ohio State, and whatever happens, happens. doesn't matter if they lose by 50 or by three. It really doesn't matter at that point. I don't believe they're going to come out a, win, a winner. But if they come back to Lincoln defeated, which I think is the biggest worry for Nebraska fans, is that this is going to be a third year of starts and stops, and just they're not in sync. That's the big worry. However, I will say this. This is the first year under Scott Frost, and maybe for a minute, Kevin, that Nebraska has five offensive linemen that are playing their natural position. People aren't out of order. That being said, um, the running back spot is a little up in the air. Dedrick Mills did a solid job last year, but those behind him are kind of up in the air. The wide receiver core is going to be brand new, totally brand new. J.D. Spielman is gone. He had three back-to-back-to-back, uh, not back, not three of those, but he had back-to-back-to-back 800-yard seasons in Lincoln. First Cornhusker to ever do that, history of ever. Uh, he's gone now. So you've got Wandale Robinson and a whole lot of question marks. Now, one of those question marks is going to be filled in, no doubt, by Omar Manning, one of the best junior college prospects in the country, one of the best junior college wide receivers in the country. He easily gets that start. The question is, where is the supplementation of that going to be? I believe that very well may be uh, the best prospect out of Nebraska this past recruiting class in Xavier Betts um, out of Bellevue East tremendously athletic wide receiver. I think that could be your starting three in Robinson, Manning, and Betts. Um, you've got Cade Warner returning, who is a solid, uh, he's, a, he's a solid block. He's one of the best blockers on the team. Um, he's not going to you know, be a deep receiving threat, but he will definitely get physical against defensive backs. So, and ultimately it, it all comes back into say, okay, who's going to be throwing the football at that time? Yeah, more than likely, it's going to be Adrian Martinez. And really with this team, at least this offense, so goes Adrian, probably so goes the team. If we step on defense for just a second, this is a defensive line that is going to have to be completely rebuilt. This is a linebacking core that has struggled mightily. And even though they lose Muhammad Barry, I don't know that his absence is going to be that significant in the idea that there's just so many things that are being worked with. They do get Colin Miller back in the interior. They do get Will Honus back. They brought in uh, some junior college transfers in that front seven. I'm curious how that linebacking core is going to work out because that front seven is really, really, really an unknown. Um, What's going to be what's going to be interesting is how the defensive backs work out. That is a strength of definitely the defense, if not I mean, it's easily one of the best units in the entire team. You've got um, you've got Cam Taylor Britt, who has just absolutely uh, burst on the scene. DiCaprio Boodle opposite him at cornerback, and then you've got Markel Dismuke and Deontay Williams back at safety. That is a solid group, and it is rather deep. The biggest question I have for these guys is: Are they going to be able to hold up throughout the season, not only in a physical aspect but also mentally? Because opposing teams are going to test that front seven early and often and try to tire those boys in the in the uh, secondary out a lot so coming all back to say it is really difficult to project just what penn state's gonna be uh or excuse me what nebraska is going to be for penn state but at the same time there are uh, it really is gonna come down to how well that offense sinks in adrian martinez's third year at the helm 
And of course, the question is, at that point, is he going to be healthy? Because we have yet to see that through an entire season. So will Adrian be healthy enough to lead the offense or will we see like a Luke McCaffrey, for example, who had a little bit of success this past year? You know, he was able to get in there when Martinez was injured and he showed some pretty good stuff. His passing was a little suspect, but at the same time, he's had an offseason to work on it. And uh, Mario Verduzco, the quarterback's coach, really likes his stuff. This is honestly one of the most athletic and impressive quarterback rooms I've seen at Nebraska for quite some time. And I've been following them for a little bit now. Um, So it is a very... The, the team is loaded with potential, but that's basically what there is. It's, it's a lot of question marks, and by the time Penn State comes along in the schedule for Nebraska, obviously it's going to be early November. We're going to be deeper into the season. We're going to know what we've got. The biggest worry, I think, for Nebraska right now is that Adrian Martinez does not find himself, and it's just more of the same start-stop stuff, because if Nebraska is not able to score points in a hurry, they have the skill players to do it. They have an offensive line that should give Martinez time, but if he's still having difficulty making proper reads, making proper throws across the field, um, throwing out in the flat, stuff like that, where he does struggle a little bit, if he, he can throw the long ball, dude. He can throw the long ball, but but it's 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 that intermediate level that he struggles with, and also from sideline to sideline. If he's making his throws, dude, it'll be fine. But if he's not, that gauntlet at the end is not looking pretty. And I dare say that Cincinnati game is not looking pretty, and that Purdue game tripping up right out of the right out of the gate would. It's not going to be disastrous per se, but it does not set things up well. No, I agree. And as I'm looking at Penn State's schedule the last couple of weeks, uh, both for Athlon Sports and for some stuff that we talked about on this podcast, I've said on a couple of occasions that, that the Nebraska road game is a little bit of a wild card game for me. Because while, yes, I do think Penn State, top to bottom, is going to be the better team when that game is played, but the situation just doesn't sit well with me. It's kind of like Penn State's road game at Minnesota last year. I didn't like the timing of it. I didn't like the situation that they were walking into. I think Nebraska could potentially be that kind of a game. Not saying that Penn State is definitely losing that game. Not saying they're definitely winning that game. They'll be the better team. They'll probably be favored unless Nebraska just uh, is gangbusters all season long before leading up to that. But it does seem to me like it's a wild card game. It's just a bad spot, I think, on Penn State's schedule that I don't know if a lot of people are really giving as much credit as I think it could deserve by the time that I- game comes around. I'll tell you what, Kevin, I think one of two things is going to happen. Um, I think that either it's going to be really, really close um, or it's going to be a blowout by Penn State. Because, again, you've got Nebraska going to Ohio State, and this is going to test their mental fortitude and see where they're at. Regardless of what their record is, it's either, okay, it's how do you respond after whatever Ohio State throws at you in Columbus? So they're going to have an opportunity where, again, they may very well be on the cusp of bowl eligibility. So if Scott Frost goes out there and says, okay, these are the guys standing in your way. Forget Iowa. Forget Wisconsin. Forget Minnesota. Forget winning the West even. You beat these guys. You go bowling. We have a postseason for the first time in years. And when was the last time Nebraska was able to say that? Uh, It's been a minute. It's been a few decades. So in this situation, it's going to be a real gut check situation for Nebraska to find out where they are as a program, not just for this season, but since Scott Frost took over at that point. I know everybody is enjoying the football conversation, but we still have to put together our final sandwiches for our Big Ten Deli menu. We're going to do that in our final segment of today's podcast. (laughs) 
All right, look, that's enough football talk. Let's get back to what people are listening to. <laughs> Let's, Let's talk about some stuff. sandwiches yes. and finish up our menu here. We just talked a lot about Nebraska, obviously, because Brian Kavanaugh is a Nebraska guy. And I'm going to let him finish up his side of the menu with a take a look at what we're having with the Nebraska game on. Absolutely. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you come into the Big Ten Dolly, you order the Scott Frost. This is what you're going to get. You, you got to get something I guess, appropriate. I mean, that's kind of been the whole theme here, right? Is something that, that really fits. And I tried very, very hard with Scott Frost, which is why I went with a Reuben. Now, about the Reuben, a lot of folks think, yeah, Reuben, yeah, good New York sandwich. About that. There is an actual origin story about the Reuben. Um, there was a gentleman here in Omaha. Um, his name is spelled R-E-U-B-I-N, I think, so kind of like that. Um, it's a he was a Jewish Lithuanian born grocer, you know, residing here in Omaha. And the argument is that he was actually the inventor. So I'm going to go with uh, go with the Reuben for the true, the real home of the Reuben in Nebraska. Now, naturally, with Scott, um, you gotta have the cured corned beef. Everybody laugh at the stupid joke. But also, I like the corned beef in that it is salty. And if there is one thing that Scott Frost can be, it is salty. Uh, he is definitely a uh, a nose-to-the-grindstone kind of guy. Get things done. A um, little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I do appreciate that. But also, the cured corned beef, nice and salty, uh, with a mild Swiss cheese, homemade sauerkraut on two thick slices of marble rye bread smeared not with the typical thousand island dressing that you might be expecting but rather the sweet sweet taste of dorothy lynch you can see me holding the bottle and no i'm not being compensated for this but of course served with a side of sweet potato fries because kevin even if you're given a poor reuben sandwich a side of sweet potato fries is something to look forward to. And regardless of how Scott Frost may do at Nebraska overall, I think the future is going to be intriguing. So one way or another, you've got a metaphorical or literal side of sweet potato fries to look forward to. I love it. I, the Reuben is actually one of my favorite go-to menu items. So I'm very happy that it made it onto our Big Ten Deli menu. I'm going to finish things up with a look at the James Franklin. The James Franklin is actually a little bit of an item that you can share with everybody at the table. These are the Philly cheesesteak sliders. And I say that because James Franklin tries to stay true to his roots in Pennsylvania. He tries to make a push into Philly. And what is more Pennsylvanian or Philly than a Philly cheesesteak? And we're talking uh, grilled steak, onions, some cheese. Um, I'm going to go with cheddar cheese. I know that's probably sacrilegious for some people that may be listening to this, but I'm doing it anyway because that's it's my menu and I get to make what I want. So I'm putting it on there and I'm going to divvy them up because I, as James Franklin tries to create a family environment and bring everybody into the program, I want him to make sure that his item on the menu is something that everybody can enjoy. Uh, so that's where I'm going with the Philly cheesesteak sliders for the James Franklin. A party platter, if you will. Now, I will say this, though, knowing what I do about James Franklin, obviously, you know him far more intimately than I do. I, I do note a little bit of a little bit of kick to him. There is some passion there, which is why I would have to say, OK, you can you can have your cheese. But I have to recommend a little bit of pepper jack in there just for a little bit of kick. Hey, that's fine. You know, what? hey, we can be uh, flexible with the, the cheese items as well. We're all inclusive here. So, yeah, I think we can uh, we can spice it up a little bit. And I think you know, there is a little bit of a kick to it. It gives a little bit of energy. So. I'm okay with that. And if you want to adapt the menu a little bit, that is perfectly fine for me. Brandon, I think we've got a pretty nice menu here. 
I think we should put it together and uh, pitch our business plan to a bank and see if we can get a loan to open this thing up. What do you think? I'm digging it, dude. I, absolutely. I mean, as, as far as you, in terms of a business partner, dude, this, this is this is a cannot miss opportunity. I have no doubt that this uh, that this idea is going to be out there, and we're going to say, man, remember the time we talked about that podcast, and now the Big Ten Deli's out there and just kicking butt and taking names out in the financial world. And hey, if the Big Ten is looking for another source of revenue, and they happen to hear this podcast and they like the idea, you know where to find us, all right? So yes, he's Brandon Cavanaugh, and once again, you can follow him on Twitter, at 8 laces. Brandon, let everybody know anything else you may have going on, how they can get in touch with you, anything you want to plug right now. Yeah, absolutely, folks. Um, again, you can catch me again on Twitter at 8laces. Hey, if you have your own sandwich ideas in the Big Ten or even college football as a whole, I would genuinely be curious to hear about them. Again, I am a foodie. I do enjoy this kind of thing, so feel free to hit me up. Um, also, just if any of you are health and fitness minded, uh, feel free to visit my personal blog. I'm kind of starting this up here. Uh, it is at brandonbuildsabody.com. Just some basic suggestions if you happen to be uh, – whether it's losing the quarantine 15 or whatever you may like, maybe you're just uh, trying to trying to get right and to get in good headspace. No, uh, I, I will say this: nothing I advertise is a quick fix. Nothing I recommend or nothing I put out there. Uh, it's not it is not a um, get your perfect body in three months kind of thing. It is very unsexy. It is uh, all about patience and understanding that this will take time. So I will just throw that out there. Uh, no sensationalism where I am coming from when it comes to diet or otherwise. <laughs> And I will just vouch for Brandon. I've known Brandon for a while now, and I've seen the changes that he's gone through. So if you want to check out his journey, I highly recommend it. It's very inspirational, as I told him before. Uh, definitely encourage people to give it a look. And uh, again, if you enjoy college football, you talk about the Big Ten and Nebraska, Brandon is your go-to guy. Make sure you hit him up on Twitter. And of course, I'll have links to BrandonBuildsBody.com and Brandon's Twitter account in the show notes for this episode on all your podcasting platforms. So you can check that out as well. Brandon? It was good talking to you once again. We will do it again. Like I said, we will definitely bring you on when uh, Penn State Nebraska gets set to play later this year. Maybe we'll bring you on at some point in, along the way before that as well. And again, I will echo what Brandon said. If you have any sandwich ideas, if you want to improve my uh, flimsy selection of Big Ten East coaches, have at it. You can hit us up on Twitter at LockedOnNitty. Brandon, until next time, it was a pleasure having you on. Hey, thanks for having me, brother. And that is going to do it for this episode of Locked on Nittany Alliance. My special thanks to my good pal Brandon Cavanaugh from Athlonsports.com. You can check out his website, BrandonBuildsBody.com. Highly encourage you to give him a follow on Twitter, at 8Laces. I will have all the links to all that good stuff in our show notes for this episode. So make sure you go ahead and check out the show description on your favorite podcasting app so you can get connected with Brandon as much as you possibly can. And I want to thank you guys for subscribing to our podcast and rating and reviewing on all of your favorite podcasting platforms from iTunes to iHeartRadio to Spotify to Stitcher, whatever you're using to listen to the podcast. We appreciate all of the support you're able to give us, and it does help with our placement on those various podcasting apps. So go ahead and subscribe, leave a rating, leave a review, let us know how we're doing, and help spread the word about our podcast moving forward. It's going to be a fun season. You want to get in on this right now. And, of course, you can always stay socially connected with us. Send us your questions and send us your comments for some mailbag segments. You can hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch using the username LockedOnNitney. So make sure you're giving us a follow, giving us a like, giving us a thumbs up, all that good stuff on all those social media platforms. We're going to stay connected with you as much as we possibly can moving forward. 
Once again, I'm Kevin McGuire. You can give me a follow on Twitter at KevinOnCFB. Check out my Penn State content on AthlonSports.com. And before I go, I want to make sure you guys know to tell your smart devices to play the Locked On NFL podcast. Lots of stuff happening around the NFL. Cam Newton, a New England Patriot. I'm sure they're talking about that on Locked On NFL. Make sure you get your NFL fix by telling your smart device to play Locked On NFL on the Locked On Podcast Network. Until next time, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We'll come back. We've got one more episode to do this week before the holiday weekend. We'll get that out to you on Thursday, maybe Friday. We'll see. We'll play it by ear. But I want to make sure you guys are enjoying your week and getting ready for your holiday weekend. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Until next time, have a great day. I'll talk to you later.